1: Welcome back, Grant and Danny, getting you ready for the Beltway Blitz. We told you we'd give away a four pack of Caps tickets, so let's get right to it. Caller number 10 at 800 636 1067. That's 800 636 1067. Congrats, you're winning a four pack. That's four tickets to the Caps and the Devils March 9th at 7 p.m. Limited tickets are still available to see the Capitals at Capital One Arena for more information or to purchase tickets. Go to washcaps.com slash tickets. Good luck to everybody trying to win those. Danny, we didn't get to our double play a few minutes ago. so We could do this quickly here ahead of the Beltway Blitz. We were busy taking calls on the fact that Washington's players ranked them dead last. Last. Among all of the teams in the NFL. And the worst. The way of how players are treated in the facilities. So in year four of Ron Rivera and the culture change, that is not ideal. That's not a shot at Rivera as much as it is to say, I think you got a good guy that's trying hard, and I don't know how much it matters with this owner.
2: Pushing the boulder uphill like Sisyphus. Whoever's here,
1: you can hire whoever you want to, and they can do whatever they want to. If you're not spending the money it takes to fix your facilities, and you have an owner and a culture that creates for bad treatment of business and families and and players, that's not changing much. But we were going to talk about your epic meal. Mm. I came into the studio today, and everyone was stunned by what you got for lunch.
2: So I, I texted the the, the gang here on my way in. Uh, busy morning and a bunch of stuff going on. No one cares about that. And so normally I bring my lunch and try to be healthy. I was over being healthy. My son's got a playoff game tonight. It's a big one for the nine-year-old Team 4 screen. They got their playoff game this evening. So I'm going to go straight there after the show. I'm not going to have time to eat dinner. So I was like, let me, just get, let me see if anybody wants lunch. Nobody did. So I used my little mobile application, ordered from Five Guys. I ordered a full meal that I would eat. Not a meal that most people would eat. So that means uh, your full double bacon cheeseburger situation. Obviously, a single patty is not, not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get the full one. I will say I have made the transition recently to the single patty at Five Guys because
1: the double patty just, it, it. while the best burger out there and my favorite thing in the world to eat, it leaves your boy pretty full when
2: I eat all those fries in that bag. Which I, I, I guess I understand for most, but not for me. Anyway, it's the right size. So I got you know the bacon, the cheese, and all the appropriate things on it. Then I got a side of a hot dog where that was actually a bacon cheese hot dog. Then I got the large Cajun fry, and then I got myself um, the Reese's uh, peanut butter cup milkshake. So, and I destroyed all of that and uh, went about my day. Ryan, but nobody could believe it.
1: Ryan went to pick up Danny's lunch at Five Guys, not knowing what Danny had ordered. He went in and he said that they told him the hot dog's almost ready, and he's like, weird, Danny got a hot dog. So they put the hot dog in the bag. Then they put a giant burger in the bag. Mm-hmm. Then they put the large fry in the bag, and he started to walk away, and they said, wait, the milkshake's almost ready. And he texted you as if to make sure, is this your order with the milkshake and the double cheeseburger, but also with the hot dog and the giant bag of fries? Yeah, that's
2: right. That's just for me.
1: You do such a good job. You're so healthy. Mm-hmm. You are crushing it, being a uh, skinny, man. An annoying person, of yeah. Danny Rouye. And then there are those days. Where you decide, I'm going to make up for it today. And today was one of those days. Yeah, so
2: instead of just getting something like a little morsel, so, or if I have like a Reese's peanut butter cup, or like something small, which undoes all the good work, if I'm going to undo all the good work, it's going to be epic. And that's how I ate my lunch. And again, I'm not going to be able to eat for a long time, so I just went ahead and took it all to the house, and ate it. nobody could believe it. Everyone was mystified. And our, our, our boss, who has never finished an entire human portion of fries, couldn't believe it. You were in, 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 in awe. Ryan was disgusted. Darius can't even be in the same room because they use peanut oil. So with all, I, w- I was persona non grata here today because of my lunch.
1: Darius was also amazed through the glass in his room. He just wasn't allowed to be here to comment on it. All right, let's get the Beltway Blitz started, shall we? Uh, we'll get to the Caps in just a couple of moments with uh, Mike Vogel, but uh, let's start with the NBA, actually. The Wizards got it. A- yeah, there you go. Okay, we'll do that, too. Let's actually start with the Capitals. I'm kidding. I'm play, kidding. You won't play the Commander Sounder. Give <laughs> Maryland over there? The do Terps. Do <laughs> there you go. The Wizards beat the Hawks 119-116 <laughs> yesterday. Bradley Beal scored 37 points. great down points, the stretch. Seven assists. He was incredible late, and he has been really, really good. Accurate, shooting the basketball late in these games. Big win for them. They were playing a Hawks team that is now 500, narrowly ahead of them in the standings, and they trailed most of the night. It was even after a quarter, but they trailed at the half. They were behind even more going into the fourth quarter, and then they were plus eight in the fourth to get the win.
2: Yeah, no Porzingis last night, and Kyle Kuzma didn't have the greatest of shooting uh, evenings, only two of seven from three. What's remarkable is the team was only six for 21 from three-point range. If I told you that, if I handed you those stats alone, Kuzma didn't shoot great from three, and the team was 6-21, of you go, yeah, they probably lost on the road again. They haven't won in Atlanta in, I don't know, it's not as long as that San Antonio streak, but it's been a long time. But they won despite not hitting a bunch of threes. They got to the foul line uh, a whole bunch of times, uh, converted a high percentage there, rebounded really well, made some big buckets down the stretch. Bradley Beal in the fourth quarter was why they won.
1: 25 rebounds combined for Denny Avdi and Daniel Gafford helped make up for a no presence last evening. A couple of other NBA and basketball notes for you. Number one, Kevin Durant is going to return this evening. He will make his debut. I'm looking forward to this, KD's first game with the Phoenix Suns. Fascinated. This is going to take place in Charlotte, so I will be glued to that. Also, how about this triple-double feat from Nikola Jokic? On Tuesday, yesterday he became the sixth player in NBA history, To record 100 triple doubles, that's Russell Westbrook, Oscar Robertson, Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, LeBron James, and now Joker with 100. Man, he's only 28 years old. He did it in 582 games. Only Oscar Robertson who did it in 277.
2: By the way, a better pace
1: to get to 100 triple double. Joker's got 24 this season. What a unique player! 15 in his last 20 games. The Nuggets have won all 24 of these games. So this is kind of the anti Russell Westbrook inefficient yes. not that I, I i dislike westbrook but he would have these triple doubles and losses and it never seemed to matter for his team going eight
2: for 31 from the field yeah jokic's team is 24
1: and zero this year when he has a triple double he is currently averaging 24.6 points 11.7 rebounds and 10 assists a
2: triple double on the year he's shooting 63 percent from the field like we don't this doesn't happen this is Normally you get this old school center, right? Who can can give you some points and rebounds, who's dunking everything, who, you know, like Shaquille O'Neal type numbers. Then you add in double digit assists and a guy that if if need be can knock down a couple threes in a given night. He does everything, and it's basically without jumping. He's re, he's a remarkable unicorn skill set player. He is a blast to watch and that team is fun.
1: All right, let's play the Georgetown Hoyas sounder so we can talk about the <laughs> capital.
2: The Cleveland Cavaliers.
1: There it is. Mike Vogel is with us. Washcaps.com. Vogues, the sell-off. Have you been traded, Vogues? Is in full effect. (laughs) I think you're still working for the team. You'll have to update us, but here's basically where we're at, and then you kind of take this wherever you want to. Brian McClellan has traded two months of Orlov, Hathaway, Gustafson, Eller, and Johansson for Rasmus Sandin, two twos, two threes, and Craig Smith. And they have signed Nick Jensen to a three-year extension. Wow.
3: It's uh, it's been a whirlwind of a week. Uh, given that I I guess the, the it all started the first dominoes fell last Thursday, so today's the seventh day. Still two days to go too, so we may not be out of the woods yet on the uh, the transactions, but. You know, you just kind of forget it's been 16 years since they've actively sold at the deadline. So it's, I think it's been a little more jarring for me personally. I think for the guys in the room too, uh, a little more jarring and a little more emotional because when you're, when you don't have to go through it for so long and you've got guys like I was talking to Tom Wilson this morning, he's been in, you know, in the organization for over 10 years and this is the first time he's gone through it. So it's, um, it's definitely something that's, you know, kind of clobbered these guys, and also, you know, you got to remember too. Less than three weeks ago, they're coming back from Boston after a really uplifting win over, you know, the best team in the league, toughest building in the league. They're sitting in seventh place. I don't think any one of them, and certainly not me, I don't think any of us saw that uh this, this sort of sell-off coming at that point. So it's it's all just sort of. Uh, it kind of hits you upside the head pretty quick. And then, you know, you you get a guy like like Lars Zeller who has meant so much to the organization and has scored arguably the two most important goals in in franchise history. You know, nothing lasts forever. We all know that. And and that's the the nature of the business and and, uh, pro sports. Guys come in, guys come out. um, Circle of life, so to speak. But it doesn't make it any easier when it happens.
2: Folks, what's the theme here? Cause it's not a it's not a rebuild, it's not a teardown. It's not what happened, as you said, like sixteen years ago. And again, this run has been remarkable where they haven't had to do anything like this. It's you still got that core, so to speak, you know of OV and Oshi and Kuz and and Carlson when he comes back, et cetera. What would you say the theme of this is? To me, it looks like a reset, kind of a retool
3: situation. You know, they went through this whole season. Uh, as we noted a few times over the over the course of it um that there were uh essentially the entire defensive core was unsigned for next year, and that you were gonna have to kind of figure that out on the fly as you were going and now all of a sudden it's starting to come into focus where you see with the the, the addition of look at sandine as as potentially the the replacement for Orloff in terms of uh you know the left side of the top four figure that him and fervari are gonna Man, the left side, and now Jensen Carlson on the right side, and at least you've got a top four in place now. Um, and then, you, you know, between, let's see what happens with with Trevor Van Riemsdyk still on the right side. You've got, you know, guys like uh, Alex Alexeyev in the picture on on the left side, and and we'll see what else happens um, over over the summer and such. But I, to me, that was the one thing that you're looking at. Uh, and wondering about, you know, how are they going to rebuild this defense? How are they going to make sure they've got a legitimate, you know, because they, they clearly want to contend. and they, they don't want to tear everything down and build it back up again, like you said, uh, as they did, you know, back in 3 4 and, and during those those early years of the uh, the Ovechkin era. So I think the plan here clearly is to try to make this team as good as it can be uh, and to contend for a playoff spot and a cup as long as Ovechkin's contract is, is still in effect, which is three more seasons. And then you're looking at guys like, you know, they're able to sign Sonny Milano for three years. And they signed Dylan Strom for, for five. And then Sandin comes in. He's only 22. Um, so they are, you know, injecting some youth and injecting some speed into the lineup and into the roster, which is really what they need. Um so I, I think they, they they seem to have a plan. You know, they're not just going all willy nilly and saying, "Well, what will you give us for this guy?" And you know, okay, we'll take those picks. And 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 I I like what they've done, as far as every every move seems to have a purpose. And you know, they're they're stocking up, as you mentioned too, stocking up, restocking. I should say some of those draft picks because uh over the over the last few years they've had to move a lot of those picks. That's just the way it goes, right? You're trying to uh keep the window open, trying to contend for longer. You, those are the assets you move out the door because you don't want to be trading the the players that are already on your roster. So they've had a couple of really fallow drafts recently where they've only had, you know, four picks in the seven in the seven rounds and maybe no picks until the third or fourth round. And now you're starting to see them where they've got a they've got 3 seconds in 2025 and they've got 3 thirds in 2024 and so now you're 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 looking at, at at you know those picks uh hopefully being part of the next the next generation the guys who come along after Ovechkin and Backstrom um are are no longer here and are you know retired somewhere so uh they've they've done a methodical job of it, I think. And and I think that's impressive given that, you know, three weeks ago that they had to be thinking they might be, they might be buying at the deadline
1: rather than sell. Folks, good info. Thank you. Thanks for having me, fellas. You got it. Beltway blitzing with the commanders. (laughs) Rick Snyder, columnist, thefandc.com. Rick, we have not talked to you since the Big Post report about Dan wanting to be indemnified. And then also, yesterday's Don Van Nata story in ESPN, which was thousands of words that Dan is being investigated for an actual crime and possible bank fraud. What would you think?
4: And and there's the NFLPA report card that called Redskins Park a doghouse, which is just nonsense. But, okay, we'll get to that. (laughs) All
1: right. Um, that really made me angry, to be honest. Wait, so hold, I so, want to go right there. So why don't we, what do you mean? You've been in that park a bunch. I, like you, I've been in other facilities. I've always thought it's one of the worst in the league. What didn't you like about the NFLPA thing? I,
4: I think it speaks to entitlement and uh, just spoiled brat behavior. And it goes back to colleges, which are in an arms race for 18-year-olds, which are just ridiculous the amounts of money they spend. And so it carries over into this. Let me just put it to you this way. The old Redskin Park, which is probably not a fourth of what the current one is. They won three championships there. They ate McDonald's every day. What's any of this got to do with winning? That's but, just nonsense.
1: So, I mean, that's a fair enough critique or question to say you don't need to be comfortable to have the best of everything. I think the point of it was they're comparing 32 facilities, and the point is Washington's, they ranked dead last, but is one of the worst of them. I, mean, I don't know. I'm assuming because you were on the beat for a long time. You've probably been in a bunch of other facilities. I've been in the Ravens and some others. It's night and day when you go in there.
4: Uh, The Ravens is really nice. I will say that. But so what? That doesn't translate to winning and losing. It's just stuff. Do you want me to carry you from meeting room out to the field? I mean, is that what it's going to take for you to win a game? (laughs) It's it's distraction of no man. Now the part about you know how they treat families, I don't know anything about that, but and that's kind of a little alarming. How their travel is? What we don't have Great Coupon on the plane? I mean, go on, guys, this is nonsensical stuff, and it just makes you look
2: small, you know, to say the least.
4: I, I'm a- you like you know win at Mc- if you eat McDonald's every day and win. Who cares what your personal chefs are doing, you know?
2: Yeah, I get it. I mean, I'm just I'm a fan of having showers that drain. Um, seems like a, a problem there. Um, but let's go to the, all the, the myriad reports that are that are coming out about Snyder every day. You've kind of been our soothsayer throughout this thing, Rick. You you kind of called this. You said in advance all this stuff was going to happen. I didn't know all of this was going to happen, like criminal proceedings potentially and various investigations. But has anything changed for you with all these uh, myriad reports? You know, I knew about the billion dollars in debt. I found that out a
4: couple of months ago. And I will say, I never talked about it because I figured it was even more. That's just the billion dollars I've heard about. What else is out there? Um, you know, so that wasn't anything new to me. The $55 million thing was new to me about the loan. Uh, and here's the part that really annoys, I think, everybody. So Dan Snyder buys out those three partners under the NFL's pressure, you know, getting them to go young. And we'll, we'll make four times the money on that. You know, people want to see him, you know, tarred and feathered and run down the highway. And instead, he's leaving with even more billions of dollars, thanks to the NFL. I think Roger Goodell has been a disgrace, and he should be forced out. He's supposed to be a guardian of the game, not the owners. And it's been ridiculous what happened there. I think all of this combines that Now they are going to talk about Snyder at the league meetings. If I'm Dan Snyder, you make your deal before that meeting, because if you don't, and they start to really look at knocking you out, you're a distressed property. And if I'm a bidder, I go low because you're now in trouble. So See, he's gotta make his move in the next two weeks.
1: You think there's a chance they would actually vote and that they could vote him out?
4: There's a growing chance. Right now I'd say no, but I don't think everything's finished yet. You know, and that Mary Joe White report is looming large, man. You know, you heard I, I said in the very beginning there would be a day Dan Snyder said, "Maybe I won't sell." I knew that was coming. And what happened? The NFL started banging him away with things and said, "Don't forget who's in charge here. You may think you are, but no, you're not." And oh, we still got Mary Jo White. Oh, now we got a criminal fraud potential thing going on here, you know, which they know about. So he's not in control of this, not anymore. Now, does he? Does the league force him to sell the Bezos? I don't know about that exactly. I still think, uh, you know, Josh. Uh, you know, could could get this team, too. Um, and I think what this is leverage, when he goes to Josh Harrison says, you know, Josh, I hate Bezos. I so want to screw him over and sell to you, but you got to come up another $100 million to make it somewhat close. There's your negotiating tactic there. So all of this is going. This is a Wild West storm that's going to keep going for a while. They're not going to vote on the league ownership as far as a new owner anytime soon. But I know that they want to keep the pressure down on Dan and just finish them off. So they're going to, you know, they're, they've they got all the things to still drop. Rick,
2: thank you as always, buddy. Be well. I got you.
1: That there is your Beltway Blitz. Lisa Banks is the attorney for dozens of former then Redskins employees who have taken issue with at varying capacities, their time within the organization. We'll talk with her next about the developments yesterday from ESPN and some of the reporting on Dan Snyder and his wrongdoings over the years. You're listening to G&D
2: on the fan. The NFL Combine
1: is going on at 5 o'clock. K.J. Wright once took part in the event. NFL linebacker in a really good one for a long time. Transition into the media will join us to discuss what this week is like for the young men trying to change their lives in Indianapolis. As we welcome you back on GD, though, we go to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Visit BetQL.com. Lisa Banks joins us, who, along with Deborah Katz, is representing over 40 former Washington Commanders employees. They released a statement yesterday after the big bombshell story from ESPN documenting some alleged financial misconduct by Dan Snyder and possibly even criminal misconduct by Dan Snyder as it pertains to possible bank fraud. And Lisa is with us. Lisa, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? Well, thank you. What was your reaction to that story yesterday?
4: <laughs> well, it was it was quite the bombshell. Um, it's shocking, but I guess not surprising. Um, but, uh, you know, I had heard rumors of things like this in the past, but nobody has been really able to. <clears throat> Excuse me, nobody's been able to pin it down. And I think uh, Don Vanata did a tremendous job in reporting this.
2: Lisa, the part that, that sort of jumps out at me the most about this most recent uh, story here, you mentioned Don Vanata's piece and the alleged financial misdealings, fraud, et cetera, right? Is the timeline of it all. This is with the backdrop of the Beth Wilkinson investigation all going on that Dan was then allowed to borrow all this extra money that was approved, and Roger Goodell went through all these motions to kind of move this uh, these financial misdealings while this investigation was happening. It just kind of shows the length that the NFL at that point was kind of willing to go to protect Dan Snyder. Yeah,
4: I mean, they, at every turn during that time period, Goodell and the NFL were protecting Snyder, understanding all of his misdeeds, and yet, doing everything they could to protect him, which I suppose is Goodell's job. But
2: um... Lisa Banks caught my
1: attention there in that interview we just did with her when she said that she has been told that the Mary Jo White investigation is winding down. The quote that I wrote down, it's coming to an end, it's nearing an end. We also had Don Van Natta yesterday saying, I think it was to Craig Hoffman. He did a few interviews here on our station and on 980. But Van Natta also said he has been told that the Mary Jo White investigation is coming to a close. Uh If you remember, was it a week ago now or maybe more, Peter King not long after the Super Bowl in his piece that he does said on NBC Sports' site for his Football Morning in America column, that, and I don't remember the exact Because it details. was in his
2: 10 things I think I think that I think that I it, think I might it, think. It was
1: like back-to-back. Back. One said something like, sure has been a while since Mary Joe White started investigating, hasn't it? And then his next one was something like, would be an interesting time for that report to start coming out. I wouldn't want to be the commanders and Dan Snyder right now. It just felt like a guy who is the most plugged in, a Hall of Fame reporter, at the highest of levels, having lunch with Goodell at the Combine or whatever. It just felt like, Maybe he's not just writing yeah, that. They're yeah, doing a no Brian
2: reason. Windhorst finger symphony bit, you know. Like, why would it's it would stand to reason? Again, I think it's the hammer. I think it's the NFL's big gun here, and it's we're getting close. We're in the same month now as the owners' meetings. End of this month in Arizona. The timing of the sale, the all the the, the machinations of this guy's in, he's out. This bidder's in, they're out. Dan may sell. He might not sell. He wants this. He wants that. Just keep knocking. As a reminder, this thing is right outside your door, dude. You don't want to see it. And that was one of the things, according to the Washington Post, that Dan wanted to bury. I
1: actually listened to Aaron Rodgers' hour-plus interview. Sorry, dude. After his uh, darkness retreat. I don't know why or how. Uh, It was with a guy who's his best buddy, apparently, who I don't know at all. Do you know this guy, Aubrey Marcus? I do not. Seems to me like a wellness type, like one of these dudes who's into...
2: um, just a man bun and like a and like vegan growing like strange, soybeans. What
1: I would call strange medicine, but then he and Rogers would like look at me and go, be curious, not judgmental, man. And then I would be like, oh, sorry, guys. All right. And then they would act, you know, act like experts in like they're Joe Rogan or something, mm-hmm. like tell me what my dopamine levels are by looking at me, you know? <laughs> like that's their yeah. bit. But anyway, uh I, I listened to this interview they did. They're like best pals. And and there were some really eye-opening um Frankly, like, enlightening elements of this interview. There were weird parts of it. There are parts where I went, this guy is just a lot to deal with. But I, I wanted to play this clip for you, Danny, because we had a lot of questions about how the actual darkness part of the darkness retreat would go. Uh-huh. So I'm going to play this clip, and then I'm going to give you your answers that you had. So uh, questions, too. So here we go.
5: There was uh, an excitement, I think. Uh-huh. there was. There was the... The understanding that I was walking into the unknown, and I think it's part anxiety and part excitement. Like, yeah. what is going to come through in these four nights, and also what is going to come through in these four nights? You know, mm-hmm. just the dichotomy of um, just the unknown. Um, so I lit a little candle, I closed the door, and kind of arranged my food on my bed where I was um, where I was going to eat it. And then I blew that candle out, Mm. and that started um, a pretty incredible, uh, difficult at times, uh, four nights.
1: So it is completely pitch black. We were wondering, like, do you mark time by meals? And essentially, that is how it worked, is he got dinners every single night. He didn't ever mention other meals. I'm assuming there wasn't, like, a breakfast or a lunch. Yeah, maybe there there's, was, like, a
2: protein bar in there.
1: Yeah, there was some some uh, dinners that he would have. But essentially, he went into this room, and it was candlelit initially. So you could
2: and, figure out, lay the exactly. land, kind of, yeah.
1: And so he kind of, he said, I, I took the, I count, counted steps to the bathroom. So it sounded like it was a very small room. There was, like, a chair. There was a bed. There was a floor enough for his mat that he could meditate on. There's a bathroom with a toilet and a bathtub. And a sink, all kind of in what what he described as almost like it sounded to me like an airplane bathroom, almost like something very small, Mm -hmm. but with you know. And then there was like a little area behind it with a bathtub or something. So he would take these long baths to meditate every day. He would sleep for an extended period. And the way he broke it down was the first couple days of his darkness retreat, he spent kind of on himself and on past relationships and traumas, and he mentioned his family and other things. Day three, he spent thinking as if he had retired and what that would look like. Day four, he spent, if I keep playing football, what would that look like? And shockingly, in this hour-plus conversation, his first word since he came out, he wasn't willing to say what he's going to do because he hasn't made up his mind yet.
2: Oh, thank goodness he went into the darkness for four days to, to come out not knowing yet.
1: But he wasn't just doing it for football because he's more
2: than a football player. That's what he wants you to know, Danny. He's a he's a person with feelings. I mean, good for you for doing this. I, I just cannot. You can be you can be on this beat if you want to. Even that little clip right there, I was like, oh my god, talk faster or don't talk anymore. Like I can't, I just can't do it with him.
1: I'm gonna find a clip. I won't bore everyone with it on air. Well, maybe I will before the end of the show. But I'm definitely gonna play it for you, just as a standalone excerpt. Yeah, you're gonna be like, this is the strangest conversation that's he's ever just happened.
2: so good at throwing passes and. I just do that again, please. Or go away forever.
1: KJ Wright has played against, and I think knocked Darren Rogers out of the playoffs in the past. What are the players going through the combine this week dealing with? We'll talk to him about that next on grant and Danny, Michael McCann, sports law expert on how much trouble Dan Snyder's in at six right here on the fan.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe.